Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, you wonderful lot. We're in for a treat today. I am speaking to the most wonderful Tessa Gray. Tessa is a Paris-trained courtier, former amateur jump jockey, with over 40 years of of experience with dressing women for special occasions, performances, and business. Now, Tessa uses color, style, and design to guide her clients to look and feel younger and amazing on and offline. When she was a jockey, she realized the power that clothes have to put any athlete in their zone. Now, Tessa's clients are mostly mums who would love to feel and look the way they used to and who are juggling work and family life and who are realizing that virtual meetings at home are not quite the same as the in-person meetups. And most people, whatever your age, find it hard to buy clothes that flatter and fit. So Tessa takes the stress out of wondering what to buy, what to wear, and how to create different looks without breaking the bank. Tessa, my love, I am so thrilled um, that you're here today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm really thrilled to be here too. So we, I think... We were just having a sort of quick chat in the in the sort of you know the the, the pre-record, and um, I think really the way this sort of conversation is going to go is 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 quite interesting. It's it's all about I th- I was thinking more along body image, but it's bigger than just our bodies, isn't it? It's it's creating our own sense of style. Would that would that be fair enough? That helps equip us with the challenges we need to face each day. I I definitely think that's right. Because um, it, what, the, what we wear, we are what we wear. And people, we can tell a story about our image. And our image is a really, really powerful um, tool. And it, it, it can reflect how you're feeling. It reflects how you're being. And it can reflect even how professional you're even looking. But what, what um, I think what I found was, like I went to Paris when I was 17 and I had two suitcases, one suitcase of fabric of stuff that I was going to be taught how to make uh, into beautiful garments. And the other was just clothes. And so, and I lived in an apartment with a whole load of girls and, and we only had um, enough clothes really that would fit into a large suitcase to last us for three months. <laughs> so, so so it was about so it was about actually using those clothes not getting bored of them and actually creating your own style and in the apartment with three or four um older girls i think the youngest one was still at school but the others were at work and i would see them going out just looking so chic and in french they call it soigné 
and they're just owning their style. Their clothes weren't necessarily amazing, but they looked amazing. And so it's part of just owning who you are and dressing for yourself, not the way you think you should. Things it's like not not really thinking, Jane, just because somebody says that looks great on you, it may not feel comfortable. So don't buy it because you're never going to wear it. It's going to sit in the wardrobe and you're going to think, I wonder why I bought that. So it's about being comfortable with who you are and dressing um, for, for the person you want to be. I mean, that's another thing. You can dress for success. You can dress as, you know, the next job, if you like, because people then start to notice you. So clothes are, are massive, really. They have this incredible power. They do. And I think the thing is, is this is so well timed because we're sort of coming out of lockdown. And let's face it. I mean, you know, to be honest, the majority of us have been sitting in sweatpants or pajamas half the time, haven't we? And we might have forgotten sort of, you know, what suits us, what we want to wear. We might be going back to our old wardrobe and going, no way, Jose. So this is an ideal opportunity to dare I say, sort of give ourselves permission to reinvent ourselves. Would that be fair? I think so. And I think that that's really what's been happening. And certainly with lots of people that I've been talking about, me included, you know, jobbers, they're so comfortable. And just a, just a top for Zoom meetings, you don't need anything else. And a lot of people are now looking at their clothes and certainly a lot of my clients are thinking, well, I'm never going to wear that again. Mm. Because life has actually changed. I think we've had time to, to, to get to know ourselves and put priorities in perspective. And, and I have quite a lot of clients are saying, well, I'm just looking at my wardrobe and thinking, that doesn't fit, this doesn't fit. What am I going to what am I going to do till I get myself back in shape? And do I really need all these things? So what is it? Because I think the thing is, is a lot of us and, and you know, sort of teenagers especially because they sort of are finding their tribe. But but the, the parents as well is that part of being a member of a tribe, Tessa, is sort of, dare I say, dressing like them. And so we sort of, you know, trying to sort of fit in. And so it's quite a brave move to move away from that and sort of go, oh, okay, well, actually, I don't like that look. I don't like this look doesn't suit me. And actually, I'm going to create my own sense of style. It's quite a brave move, isn't it? Because it sort of sets you apart and maybe not everyone wants to be able to or wants to feel that they have to stand out all the time. I don't think you necessarily have to stand out because you can dress yourself actually to hide. And you can also dress yourself to stand out. So it's just a question on your personality. And and I know lots of young girls and teenagers, they dress because of the way that all their friends dress. And they're really finding their finding their style. And they'll experiment. And, and I think it's really good to let them experiment. But I think it's also, um, I think you also have to be quite kind and sort of, like teach them teach, if you can show them what looks good on them good on them and what doesn't um then they kind of begin to get an idea of it and some clothes will make you feel comfortable and some won't and i think the thing like dressing like um a tribe yeah that's fine is in fact I had a conversation 
I think it was yesterday, somebody was saying to me, well, what do you think about lawyers um, deciding that they're not going to dress the way they they used to? There's an article in the States that, pe- that people are not going to um, necessarily, you know, the, the uniform of the, the black suits. You mean the power suits? The yeah. power suits and yeah. all that kind of thing. And they're not necessarily going to do that anymore because they've, they've suddenly realised that actually they can still look smart and professional and but also themselves yeah and and I think it's really about being comfortable with who you are and dressing appropriately because that's the other thing you, it's got to be attractive it's got to be appropriate and it should be aligned with who you really are and who you feel because when you're misaligned and when you and when you and as you say when you dress in like I remember years ago going for a scruffy stuff for what I thought was a dinner. And so I dressed up for dinner and I turned up and it was a scruffy supper. Everybody's in jeans. <laughs> and I wasn't. And that automatically puts us on the back foot, doesn't it? Because yeah. we're, we're, we're different. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, okay, so what am I going to do? So I kind of laughed it off, but I didn't feel very comfortable about it. Yeah. And so I think it's being prepared. It's kind of like doing your homework. So uh, what's okay? And and also going into it gradually, it's not necessarily about making a big change. It's And I think it's much more about creating your own sense of style. Because once you have your style and you know that works for you, it doesn't bother you what other people think. Yeah, y- yes, you're quite right. And and But it's, it's and, and I think as you sort of say, it's feeling confident and comfortable in whatever you are wearing but or but not only it's, it is not it isn't just about the clothes is it it's about the image that we are portraying not only to other people but to ourselves yes yeah because it doesn't matter how good you look if you don't feel great you're not going to project that great image and and, and actually that was something that happened to me once when I wasn't I really was not well at all I had chronic fatigue and when the time it, people didn't really know about it and um at the end of a dinner party somebody said somebody sitting next to me I didn't know any of the people around the table except the host said to me he said you've I think you've done really well tonight he said um obviously not feeling very well but you made a fantastic effort but the lights are on but no one's home oh, and wow. I and that was really the power of, like, I was all dressed up to go out. And I knew I looked good because I knew at the best I could. But because I wasn't feeling great, yeah, it still showed. Yeah. And it's that, that confidence always comes from within, doesn't it? Yeah. So I walked in with huge confidence. And actually, when he said it, I walked out and my confidence levels went right down. But when I thought about it, in a way, it was a massive compliment because nobody else had noticed. Yeah, good for him. How, how perceptive? Yeah, well, he was a horseman, so I think I think it was probably, I think horse people read people's energy, and because you have to with yes. horses. So. Yeah, yeah. To tell me a bit about that, because um, in, in the intro, I was sort of saying that um, as as a, a jockey, you realised the power that clothes had. But to just sort of t- tell us about your story. It, it's sort of you know in in those sort of early years. Well, I, well, I was that shy 
ch- timid child and so I think mum was offered a pony so she got me a pony to help me um you know get out of myself and um and I loved co- to compete I loved spending time with ponies and I went on competing but she actually she'd been a Olympic skier and I think she really understood the power of the competition clothes but also we also had the thing that my little sister was allergic to horses so we had our horse clothes we had our everyday clothes we had our horse clothes and we had our competition clothes because we couldn't go into the house if we she would scream if yeah if we so so it was very separate and um the ponies used to know what they were going to do by the clothes that we were wearing oh wow yeah and so- and so that was one thing and then I went on to be a jockey and and what I found was once when I went into the racing world, it was when I put those colours on. It's like, and particularly when I was riding someone else's horse that was, but it was a massive tear away or I wasn't sure. Or like when I was um, getting ready to go around Aintree, it was like, put the my colours on. And um, it just gets you into the zone. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you kind of go into this, um, it's a real confidence thing. And, and you go out and you're sort of ready for what's ahead. And it's really only recently that I realised when I was talking to friends and I, was, I actually did a workshop with, 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 a, with a colleague, is the power that the clothes can have to change your energy. And I think you, we, we were saying earlier um, before the, the um, episode is, and you, you likened it to the England team. I mean, we're, at time of recording, they, they have just got through to the final. But you're quite right. It is, it is as soon as they sort of put on that England shirt, and it's the same for, you know, a, a, anyone. It's, it's their uniform, isn't it? They take on this persona. I, I guess it brings them together as a team. They, they sort of um, have that sort of tribal sort of team unit mentality. And, and it just sort of, I, I guess it's, uh, it, it gives what that sense of confidence, courage, bravery. Is that what it is? Um, it, it, it it's, um, it's kind of difficult to uh, it's difficult to explain when you go in as and I kind of always thought it was quite natural but it's like it's the preparation for the race it's actually getting into that space where you are going to be the best you can be and it's all about performing to to your highest and, and best ability and it it it's the pride and I think for, certainly for your country it's massive um and the um i remember hearing about well any jockey will tell you that when they put the queen's racing colors on it feels incredibly special so yeah so so it's it's that sense of what the colors bring because let's you know regardless of you know it is just without wanting to sound glib it is just another race they still have to you know go through the rudiments and do exactly the you know sort of the same but I I guess it's the 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 actual the meaning behind the colors that they're wearing that that has such the impact is that is that right yeah I think I think that's what it is and I remember I remember um I won a race on um 
yeah i want uh, yeah i want to race on 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 um mum's horse and then the jockey said oh i want this lucky color uh, I, yeah can't, uh, can't quite remember how it was but anyway he 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 took the colors because they were lucky colors he wanted the lucky colors these are the lucky colors and and so so the fact that the these colors have won races it gives it it's a really stupid thing it just gives you that confidence and i had colors that i didn't win in but i had others that i did win in yeah so, so how do us mere mortals find our lucky clothes find our clothes you know our uniform find that find what 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 works for us what gives us that be it a suit of armor or gives us that inner um confidence that inner sort of stability whatever it is how do we go about finding all that well i think it's not really taught yeah and 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 that's one of the things that i was lucky i was taught at school we were taught how to dress make so we learnt fittings and so we sort of learnt how to 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 um um fit our shapes as you like yeah and then of course because i because i had this tailoring experience then i learnt how to do that anyway so i think the thing to do is is to to look at your shape and 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 then discover what works for you and um Actually, I haven't done this, but I could, I could actually put together a bit of a guide of how to shop for your shape because everybody's shapes are different. And once you understand what how your shape is in proportion, then you dress it in proportion. And the big thing is getting the proportions correct. And that's one of the reasons why um, I think people really struggle with clothes nowadays is mm-hmm. because there's so much of it. One size fits all, but one okay. size doesn't fit all. It doesn't matter. You can be a 12, 14, 16 or whatever, but in a different make, it's going to look completely different because they're all cut differently. So, so one, of the thing, one, of, one of the things that I do with my clients is that we look at what they've got and if, it, if they love it, but it doesn't quite fit, we just tweak it, we just alter it. Mm-hmm. So it's about, um, but I think it's really determining um, what your lifestyle is, how you want to come across, what you're doing, and then creating a wardrobe for it. And that's pretty much what I help my clients do. And we look at it and then we then we create, um, I create, I show them how to create loads of outfits out of what they've already got. And the colour is super important because colour is the one thing that can either really lighten you up or mm-hmm. drain you. So if you've never had your colours done, and you're not sure um it's a really great thing to have done it's totally transformational uh, absolutely um, I, I i went to um someone a, a stylist to help me and it was it really it revolutionized the way i sort of dressed myself but no, no, not only dressing it was pre- revolutionized the way i presented myself but starting off with the colors you're quite right because I think I was told I was soft or you know sort of whatever um and I was told that definitely don't wear black which I sort of wore quite a lot of towards Mm. my face um Mm. I I'm a sort of I don't even know what my shape is but I've got long legs and a short waist so she said to me love boxy jackets are out and I was going no but I love them and it was you know and get rid of the big prints on the top and and only have them on the bottom and do you know 
I, yes, I lost a lot of my wardrobe. Um, thankfully, due to recycling now, the, it, we, it all goes to sort of previously loved, which you know, rather than um, you know, so so actually, other people are going to look better in my old clothes than I did. But I think the thing is, it's sort of it, it even sort of someone sort of said to me, literally two or three days after, she said, "I don't know what you've done, but you look about ten years younger." And it really was just through. Um, changing my colors and just working out what worked best for my body shape. And yeah. it's, if we're not taught about it, it's really hard to learn how to do it, isn't it? Or is it, or is it really simple? No, no, it, I think it is quite hard. And I think, I think the biggest mistake people make is when they go shopping and there's, they look in the mirror and they only look at the front bit. They don't see yes. the back and they don't also, um, if they're not sure, they ask the sales lady and they don't they forget that the sales lady is there to make a sale. Yes. And yes. Some, are, some are really good and will tell you straight, but you have to, you have to build trust, trust in it. And so if, some, if you walk out with something and she says yes and it, you really love it, then it probably works for you. But, but I think that um, – I think it's been actually, I think it's much harder to buy clothes now than it used to be because I think our body shapes have changed really over the last they have, yeah. 20, 30 years. And people are not, are not the sort of same sort of shape. And, and then also a lot taller. I mean, a, a bit like you, I had a, I had a client, client um, and I did her colors and I also did her shape and everything. And, and she was she had a she had a high waist like you and long legs so I could never find anything to buy and I thought okay so I can't throw that away because it's too expensive so that's when I got the pins out and we tweaked it and altered it and what I did for her was I measured her her length and I said you don't buy any jackets shorter than this or longer than this yes and this is the length of skirt you buy between these lengths nothing longer or nothing shorter and I went to see her five days later. I opened the door and I went, wow. And she said, oh, my God. So exciting. <laughs> I've been getting compliments from my husband every day this week. And I haven't Isn't had one wonderful? in five years. Yeah. But it's, it's also, it's not, it's not just about the clothes, though they are hugely impactful. It's, it's also the accessories because I was taking the wrong sort of shape bag or the wrong color bag or my, my, I was wearing all the wrong jewelry. I was told that I should wear gold where I was, you know, much preferred silver. But, but my view is, is if you are, um, you know, if you're paying a professional, then it really does help to listen to what they say. But it, it is, it's the compliments that sort of come back afterwards, which sort of reinforces it all. But I, I know for me, I don't care, Tessa, whether or not I am in my sweats or in my best glad rags. The thing that really makes me, I was going to say powerful, I don't think it's powerful. The thing that makes me feel in control to, you know, is is having my nails done. Um, if I, If my nails, on are looking a bit chipped and shoddy it doesn't matter what I'm wearing I, and it doesn't matter how many compliments I get I just don't feel particularly myself and so it's important isn't it to just to find even if it, it doesn't have to be closed but it's just something that makes you feel good well yeah I mean being a rider my nails always looked a mess so my hands I hide them and you know that but but my thing is hair 
because my hair is was fine and flowery and difficult cut. And if I had a bad haircut, it looked fine for five days and then it wouldn't look it would look rubbish for the rest of the time. So I have to have a wash and go haircut. And yeah. uh, and if it's well cut and people give me compliments on it, that's fine. And um, some people have a little bit. Mum would never leave. She never wore makeup, but she wouldn't leave the house without lipstick. Yeah. And other people, it's like their foundation. Um, so, or and or it's your perfume. You know, if I'm going to an event, I always have. I always wear perfume. I have a client who, before she gets on her Zoom meeting, she always sprays it with perfume. Sprays herself with perfume because she's. Right, I'm going to a business meeting. This is what I would do if I was going to a normal meeting. So it gets her in the zone. So I think it, it, everybody has their their little thing, and I think it's really important to find out what it is and use that as your confidence booster. Yeah, and and I think that's what it is, isn't it? It's it's that little confidence booster, and it's that little thing that sort of gets us over the butterflies and just yeah. sort of and and allows us to feel well. For me, it is control. Um, just to sort of go right, I can face the day or I can face this meeting or I can, you know, just, I, I've got this. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's not, I think the thing is, is that, we, you know, we're, we're talking about our image and we're talking about how we are portraying ourselves. But a lot of this, and I, I know that sort of, you know, you, you and I have spoken about this in the past. A lot of this is really about our own perception of ourselves, which to be fair, it can be shaped by stuff that's happened way in the in the past. You know, sort of our, our own sort of childhood experiences. So, tell me a, a bit a bit more about that. How how our childhood sort of shapes who we are, and how as parents we should be mindful of that when we're sort of dealing with our kids. I think well, up to seven, as as you probably know, kids' brains are a sponge. And they believe everything they're told because they don't know any better. And certainly I know, you know, I had a, I had me and then I had a brother and then two younger sisters. And, and my brother would comment on our clothes and on what we did. And um, it was, and sometimes it was good and sometimes it, it, it wasn't so good, but I think, I think it's really, ca- I think, certainly for a shy, timid, timid child, I needed to be told I looked okay. If I didn't look okay, then, you know, it was, it was wild horses wouldn't drag me to a party mm-hmm. when I was really little. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's about really confident, be, being, finding the positive in things and feeding, feeding kids with positive, um, and, positive um sort of stuff as it were and it was like when with riding it was like mum was always great well you've got round that's all that mattered it wasn't about winning it was about being the best that I could be when I was that and it was that encouragement which actually elevated me to go up the levels um to then decide that actually I wanted to be I wanted to have a race I wanted to ride in a race I wanted to buy it she didn't really want me to do it, but um, she didn't you stop did it, me. You did it to huge success. Yeah, well, she didn't want, I know, but the point, the, the downside of it, she used, she used to watch 
like when I was about 14 or 15, me and my friend, we had these two beautifully matched Connemara um, ponies. And we used to race each other around in the pairs class together. And you had to jump the fences together. So it was pretty much we used to race each other around. And we always came home with the rosette. And she told me after, she used to have kittens watching us. Well, she would have been, she would have had an absolute litter of kittens when she when you were um, riding at Aintree then. Well, she was standing. Well, apparently she was standing with my um, my cousin, and, and as I jumped by beaches, and my my cousin said, "It's all right, Auntie. She's still there. Her cat's still there." <laughs> so t- tell us about that because that that was um, you you you've you've got a feather in your cap. So remind us about your your sort of beaches or your your Aintree experiences. Well, it was actually I was the um, in fact my cousin told me this I didn't realise it but I was the third lady to get round in a race over the age fences in the fox hunters which is the amateur race where you go once round and um, I had this lovely horse and he I I hadn't been allowed to ride him the the year before because mum mum didn't think I had enough experience and then she got terribly told off by the trainer a trainer that she met never met before what she met one night. And um, and again, it, it's all about the energy. It, it's like um, the the horse, the horses read our energy in that whether we want to do something, whether we don't want to do something. And I had this great partnership with him, and we off we went in front. I, mean, I jumped all those big fences in the lead except for the last, but he'd had an accident, so I wasn't in the first. Um, I wasn't placed. I was sixth. But I think the most exciting thing for me was when. The Johnny Franklin came out of the bar to say well done, and um, and Ron Barry and Bob Champion, who'd won the Grand National the year before, came out to say well done. And thinking, wow, have you even won this race? But um, such an achievement, and 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 sort of paving the way for future sort of you know future opportunities, not just in the racing world, but you know sort of carving a path for for many women to realise. Do you know what we? can do something should we sort of you know turn our sort of mind to it well yeah and I think I think for me the the most um what was what was really powerful was actually before the before the race because he'd had an accident we weren't mum wasn't sure whether that you know I'd be good enough to ride him or everything and I was sitting in the weighing room at Kelso with Ron Barry who's a professional jockey and he said well if your mother doesn't let you ride that horse Tell us, speak to me because you should ride him. And I'm thinking, this is a professional jockey. You know, he's won the, you know, he's won the Grand National, and he is giving me the confidence that I am good nice. enough to do this. But but surely, having a mum who was an Olympic skier is a role model. You know, sort of for competitive success, showing you that you know, you know, breaking the glass ceiling for a young, timid, young sort of teenager. Surely, I think so. I think so. I think she she did, but she also didn't want us to be cramped, constrained by it. She didn't want us to have to live live up to it. So it was very much played down, and um, she didn't and. In fact, our friends at home didn't never knew that she'd even done that. <laughs> wow! So, did you do? Was entry was was your sort of riding career before or after your sort of trip to Paris? No, trip to Paris was first. I was seventeen when I went to Paris and did oh, that right. first, and then um, I came back and then I cooked 
in um, I was trained as a cook and I made more money cooking than I did actually making clothes at the time. And but I had this dream which had been which had actually been fostered by a friend of my grandfather's who had a painting on his wall that of his father's horse that had actually he was only 15 three and he he'd gone round the Grand National Fences in a match and beaten another horse. And I don't know where the idea came from, but I had this little this dream. And I think I think about mum was that she encouraged us to dream because she said, if you don't have a dream, you can't have a dream come true. I love that. And actually, I, I, I quoted that to um, other people in a workshop that I was doing. I thought that is so powerful because I think whatever it is that we turn our hands to, um, it is so important not only to dream, but to dream big because other, you know, it, we, we need to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, don't we? Just to allow us to grow and to see all the sort of joys and the messiness that life can bring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember when I, when I, um, the first sort of good point to point that came up to, to say I was a belonged to a friend of mine. He was a schoolmaster and I was going to have to pay him, but I had to, and mum said eventually, okay, well, okay, you can have the horse, but you've got to ring up and um and tell him that we'll have him and I'll help you buy him. And I remember picking up the phone and being sick to the stomach and hoping that he was sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we'll have him. And then having done it, it was like, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah. I am actually going to do this. So as I suppose it's I suppose that's what she did. She gave me the courage to um to go for it if I really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but part of the reason was it wasn't because I'd fallen off my pony when I was nine and fractured my skull. Uh, and you know, was it was quite a serious inju- injury. So there was always that in the background. So she didn't ever want to push me to do something that I oh, really yeah. didn't want to do. And I think I, and probably it was one of the reasons that I went on to compete um, in the way that I did, because I was never pushed by her. I always did it because I wanted to. And I think that's a lesson that, that we sort of need to remember, well, maybe not a lesson, but a point that we need to un- remember is that many parents haven't achieved dreams that they wanted to and are sort of vicariously living through their kids and maybe encouraging their kids to go down routes that they have no interest in or don't want to or feel pushed into. Um, and it's it's giving ourselves and our kids the, the, the permission to go down the paths that we want to, isn't it, really? I think so. And I think, I think that's where mum was so good. Um, because my my brother was a was a was a was a good athlete too, and he could have done anything. Um, he he could have skied, but she but she didn't really want him to go into that environment, particularly living in England and you know having to train that out. But um, so he, he could have done that, but he he ended up doing um, rugby. He played rugby for school his school, um, but he was offered he was offered um, to be trained by. Um, famous cricketer once said he would often coach him but Ant actually didn't he didn't Anto didn't really want to do that so he was never pushed into it he was allowed to find his own way with what he really wanted to do and she did that with all of us um and my 
next sister, she she um she was she was in she was dyslexic, and she um she she kept she, in spite of being dyslexic and having been told when she was um the doctor told mum when she was about eleven ten or eleven she'd never get an A level and she wouldn't O level she wouldn't get any O levels mm-hmm. she might get one A level she was lucky and she wouldn't get an A level but um. What she said to her was, "If this child wants to do something, you have to encourage her to do it." Yeah. And yep. she went to school and she rang up and said, "Mummy, can I learn to the violin, please?" So mum wrote to the music teacher and asked her to, if she take Joe on, which she did. And she went to see her at the end of I don't know school time year or whatever, whenever it was. And she said, oh, "Thank you so much for um, taking on Joe." I'm so grateful um, for you taking the trouble for Joe because I'm sure it must be really difficult because Joe was super clumsy. And the teacher turned around and said, it's an absolute pleasure to teach Joe. She has perfect pitch. And learning the violin taught her how to be coordinated. Oh, wow. You see, we don't know. We don't know where these decisions take us, do we? And I think, and I think the thing is, is also, I think in deep, deep down, we know what our soul wants us to, to do. We know where our innate um, skills lie. And it's just being given the opportunity to unearth them and to, rather than being pushed down one avenue, avenue or another, it's just sitting with the opportunity of being able to find out what we are potentially very good at. But it might sometimes need um a little bit of sort of uh, unpacking absolutely and and certainly with joe i mean she got she got o levels she got her o levels and she even got a levels and she got a high powered job and because that was the other thing the doctor said she'd never get a job you see and, and, and how how joe's life would have been very different had she listened to in air quotes the expert as opposed yeah. to as opposed to a mum who was not actually going to listen to that point of view. No, and and mum was all about breaking breaking glass ceilings and boundaries. When I look back on it, you know she broke her she kept fell off a um a gym horse that she wasn't meant to be she wasn't meant to be into the gym when she was fourteen. She had an operation on her back when she was seventeen. And she was told to go home and do normal things. And they didn't realise that was going out on the hill in Scotland and messing about on the moors and doing whatever you did and slipping and falling and everything. Yeah. But she, um, the doctor said, you may never walk again. You will never ride again. And you definitely won't ski again. And she'd only learnt to ski when she was 17. And I think it was um, five years later she skied in the Olympics. What, what, so quickly. Yeah. So it's it's it is it's what it it is that image that we have that we portray to others, be it best hairdo, be it pucker nails, whatever it is, or the the outfit that suits you best. But it's not only that; it's that dream, that dream inside that we need to nurture for ourselves and for our kids. Because yeah, I love this. You know, if you don't have a dream, then you're never going to have a dream come true. And we need to nurture that and make the most of it, don't we? And let it come out. I definitely. And and um, 
I think, you know, the, um, I, I didn't know this, but at, um, at mum's funeral, my brother said that mum had said that watching me, um, watching me at Aintree was actually more exciting than the Olympics. Oh, wow. Even, even though she had been reluctant to let you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, and the night before she died, she said to me, um, do you know, since I was five years old, I dreamt of having a horse that was good enough to be in training um, because the last horse she bred was in training and he won six races for her. You see, so I think it's just keeping those hopes and dreams alive, isn't it, Tessa? Yeah, and then you and you see, I mean, in 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 spite every Olympic, every most Olympic sports people will say, I've dreamed of this since I was a small child. Yeah, and it's the dreaming of it brings it in. And and when I was on my first point to point course, I watched people going round ancient and thought, I want to do that, and I visualised what it would be like. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's creating that image. I created it. I created it in my imagination. And the the events stacked up and suddenly I got this amazing horse. It all just fell into place magically. And um, and there I was two years later. But you see, that's I mean, and that is I mean, my, my comment to that is what's the chances of that happening? And I firmly believe 100 percent because. Our unconscious mind, when it is hearing and feeling and seeing those visualizations, doesn't know the difference between fact and fiction. So if yeah. you are dreaming and visualizing about entry, you know, races at entry, then the unconscious mind sort of feels right. OK, this has happened. So it it is it, you know, it, it's and and so everything starts aligning, doesn't it? And and yeah. by listening to your examples pretty damn quickly in many situations. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And 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 you can actually think of the converse. And 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 I've had times in my life when everything went, went horrendously wrong. And when you focus on what goes wrong, then more of it happens. Totally. Totally. So it's self-belief, self-confidence, and that knowledge of who we are and how we present ourselves in our mind's eye and to the greater world around. Yeah, just be the best you can be and imagine, imagining it. And, and, and ask people, if you need help, then ask. Because, you know, there were lots of us out there, to, people to help you, whether it's your mindset, it's your image, or it's training, or whatever. It's just go out there and have the courage to, to ask. Pick up the phone and say, "Yes, I'm going to have a source." And it's the same. Thing, the same thing happened with the with the big horse. The same. It's just like, okay, if you want this horse, you've got to ring up the governor. I said to Mum, "Will you do it?" And he said, "Okay." Well, I'll see what I can do. And he took him out of the sales for me. How wonderful. Tessa, my love, thank you. Thank you. So, so inspiring. So wonderful to, to, to hear that actually how we present ourselves is a great way forward in, in, in how our opportunities and our successes map out for us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. Love. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been fun.
thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.